This show is furnished by The Cochran Firm. Talk Radio AM 790. You are listening to A Nation Divided, coming to you at a new time. For those of you who are wondering what is happening on your car very stereo. New. Very new. We usually start at four. We're going to be going from three to five today. Changing it up on them. Absolutely. And we are coming to you live, as always, from Culver City. I am with my best friend in the entire free world, Mr. James Oates. How are you feeling today, my brother? I feel weird, man. It's weird to start at three. I don't know what to say. I know. Everything I was out of whack. Be, no, but some, they might even be listening. I, I don't even know. Uh, but you know but but who, was, uh, who was listening anyway? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It, that, that would assume someone was listening in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> my entire system is out of whack. But folks, listen, we love you so much. Uh, this is A Nation Divided. For those of you who may not be familiar with the show, this is a show where we talk about some uncomfortable topics sometimes. Topics that are near and dear to the progression uh, of our spirituality and our social harmony as a nation, but are often not talked about. Uh, We've got a little bit more time to work with, so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about some current events, and uh, ultimately we're going to get to uh, some of the most specific issues that are dealing, uh, that are basically jarring us as a nation right now, issues dealing with race, uh, issues dealing with the concept of how we are becoming more and more divided. Uh, we were looking at some pretty startling statistics earlier. It seems as though whenever anybody does a study on what the average American feels concerning whether we're becoming more unified or more divided as a nation, it seems pretty pessimistic. Uh, what, what, what have you found in that regard? It keeps getting worse, man. I mean, there's so many different ways of looking at it, but the discussion we were having, of course, earlier offline was the discussion of race and the, there's a Pew Research piece from the end of 2019 that, that says basically that people feel worse about race relations than they have in a really long time. And not just that, but not only do they feel bad about race relations, but, but there's a big divide in how people feel uh, about whether it will ever get better. And that's pretty it, – it's, it's a dark thought. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, don't share that. Um, but it is kind of a sign of the times, folks. And we're uh, thinking about this pivotal year, 2020. I think that we're going to look back and talk to our grandchildren one day, maybe about what were you doing, where were you during the year 2020. We've had a whole lot of unprecedented things happen. We've had rioting in the streets. We've had protests in the streets. We've got a disease that has just kind of taken over our consciousness. It's like a pressure cooker in our way. It's almost like what's happened to Good us point. is it's revealing all of this, right? It's kind of squishing it out, making people face this stuff that we kind of already have felt, but now we really got to talk about it. And for those of you who may not be familiar with our format here, uh, we are not political. We are not Trump supporters. We are not Trump detractors. We are not Democrat. We are not Republican. We are not liberal or conservative. One of the things that we're concerned about, though, is our our uh, social contract as Americans. We're, con- we're concerned about getting along. Uh, we're concerned about the invisible walls that seem to rise up between us that cause us to uh, judge one another, hate one another sometimes, and just in general uh, demonize uh, folks that 
are deemed to be different. Uh, and we, of course, uh, are, we have dedicated our lives to tearing down those walls. Um, we've got a pretty current event now that we really wanted to talk about, and that was uh, today we lost a titan, a titan of civil rights uh, at the age of 80. Uh, Congressman John Lewis passed away, uh, and he had a pretty tumultuous life uh, dealing with a lot of these issues uh, when they had somewhat of a different character, mostly in the 50s. And that was a time of great social upheaval. I liken it to the current time, believe it or not. Uh, But, Jim, I know that you did some research on John Lewis. Uh, Tell us about this man. He's an interesting guy. There's the one thing that you have to say about John Lewis, whether you agree or disagree with him politically, he was a pacifist. Yeah. And he was a a, a real pacifist. I mean, no matter where he was, what he was talking about, he believed in peace. He believed in love. And that's the stuff he always talked about. Even when he talked about there's a great controversy over him uh, bailing out, skipping out on the inauguration of Trump. And then, of course, he actually did the same thing to George W. Bush. And there's a big controversy over that. Even then, you listen to the guy talk about it. He's not yelling. He's not screaming. He just says, you know, I'm I'm stepping out. And whether you agree with him on that or not, you got to give it to him that he was a pacifist. And when you look at the history, um, I was born in 1968, which is the year that uh, Martin Luther King was was killed. And if you, if you study some of the things that were happening in the nation, uh, it was a time of, of great divide. I mean, great social upheaval. You had the Vietnam War happening. You had a lot of issues concerning uh, the equal rights of minorities. Uh, there was a push for uh, everyone being able to vote. All of these things happened. Uh, the desegregation of schools, lunch counters, they all seem to happen at around the same time. Sure, yeah. And uh, these are some events that were really not welcome uh, to a large segment of the population. And when we look at history and when we look at the events of those years, we see uh, names like Martin Luther King and we and we see and we associate him with good things. A lot of folks, whether they're white or black or anything, say that, you know, they admire his work. But John Lewis was right in the middle of that. Absolutely. John Lewis is right in the middle of that. He actually, I was listening to a video a little earlier just today, and I did not know this. I had not heard him say this before, but that when he was a little boy, he wrote a letter to Martin Luther King. Yeah. He wrote a letter to him. Did you hear this story? Yeah, he gave him a bus ticket. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Yeah, Martin Luther King actually sent him a round-trip bus ticket and asked him to come meet him. Right. As a young man. And, you know, that could have shaped the, the rest of his history uh, as a man. And you There's know, we, no doubt about it. The yeah. blueprints that we have as children. Uh, but, folks, one of the things, if you really do understand our, our history as a nation, is that you, you take Martin Luther King, for example. He, he is considered a hero now, but in his time, he was vilified. Uh, in his time, he was considered a threat uh, to the, the way of life of America. He was dubbed a communist uh, by many individuals. Uh, if you talk about his approval rating, uh, he would have had a very low approval rating in the minds of most Americans for the vast majority of his life uh, up until the very end. And when we start thinking about all of the issues that we have now, there are a lot of voices that say that the issues that caused all of the racial divisions in the 60s really haven't gone away. And we're seeing them come to life in a different context now. But that we still have a growing problem, and it seems to be getting worse, and that is the problem of the racial divide in this, in this country, and we, we're going to look at some issues. I think one of the things that people have to remember is that you and I talk a lot about the people that say the law is being broken, so we got to re- enforce the law. Right. we got to go after it. Well, 
You go back to 1961, and one of the things that made John Lewis fan, I guess probably was his first big thing, was he was one of those original freedom writers. Right. He was one of the, I think it was 13, am I right in that? There was 13, that they basically wanted to ride on buses in a desegregated way. Right. Where they were doing that, they were breaking the law. Exactly. They, they were actually breaking laws, and, of course, they were getting busted up for it. I mean, he got severely injured doing yeah, that. Yeah, that was a, a, a iconic photograph where, I mean, you don't want to be the guy who gets his skull crushed. Right. You don't want to be the guy who gets his head busted. Uh, but there was an iconic scene where uh, he was actually uh, demonstrating peacefully, and, and a trooper, a state trooper, uh, hit him so hard in the head with a baton that it wound up crushing his skull. Cracked it his could skull. have ended his life. Yeah, sure. probably it would have in a certain situation. It got very close. I mean, what? I love the question that you asked earlier. What could a guy do to another guy to make him want to crack their skull open? And, and you think about that, and you think about the level of anger. Uh, forget the fact, temporarily set aside the fact that it's a law enforcement officer. Just think about it's one man yeah, to another man. Yeah, just a guy. Yeah, and, guy, and guy. you know, what would make a man uh, that angry at a complete stranger who's really done nothing except try to assert his rights, angry enough to hit someone on the head. Hey, he broke the law, right? Okay, so you say that that's the law. The law is that, you know, you're a black guy, so you can't sit in this seat. Okay, fine, that's the law. You're going to crack his head open? Head. I'm, I'm not aware of any training <laughs> protocol that has ever existed with any law enforcement agency that has mandated a head strike drop, with drop a baton. that bubblegum wrapper. Pick that bubblegum wrapper. <laughs> bang, boom. Yeah, exactly. You're done, right? And, you know, these kinds of things were commonplace. So, I mean, you had a lot of uh, overt acts of brutality. And this is something that if you really want to ask yourselves why this happened, I mean, this is what we're most interested in is, is what would make uh, uh, an individual uh, who was born knowing only life. What would make that person so angry it's crazy, man. as to resort to violence? And, and uh, we're going to take a short break in a moment. But when we get back, we're going to tie this into some issues that we're dealing with today. Uh, there have been a lot of controversy uh, surrounding the recent uh, civil unrest uh, surrounding the George Floyd situation. Uh, there have been a lot of unrest about Black Lives Matter and all of these issues. And one of the questions that we want to pose to our audience is, you know, kind of what do you think about? Do you think that? This is more the symptom, and do you think it's the cause? Do you think that we really are moving in the wrong direction? Right. Or are we just having a little bit more awareness? And when did it happen? And when when did it happen? happen? Right. We're going to be taking calls just a little bit later, folks. But thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And we are going to get you to think. And we're going to tell you we love you a whole lot today. Yeah. You like it. KABC. Welcome back, folks. Yes. Leonard Skinner. (laughs) Very appropriate choice for today. Absolutely, folks. Uh, Welcome back. We are AM Talk Radio 790. You're listening to A Nation Divided. I am Brian Dunn with my best friend, Mr. James Oates, starting at a new time today. Uh, wondering if we might be able to catch any wandering ears out there. Typically, we start at 4, but we're going to be starting at 3 today, and we're uh, talking about some uncomfortable issues, maybe uncomfortable to some folks. But the issue is, do we really need to discuss this? Are we making too much out of a whole lot of nothing? Are we really having a problem with regard to the racial divide in this country, or is it just all smoke 
and nothing uh, that really needs to be taken seriously. But one of the things we do have to look at, folks, is that you don't see people in the street every day on the level that we've seen. Uh, We don't have civil unrest like we've seen. And even that alone uh, seems to be dividing the nation. Uh, It seems as though uh, there have been associations with the uh, largely, overwhelmingly peaceful protests uh, with acts of subversion. There have been some uh, comments that... Uh, The group Black Lives Matter is actually a subversive organization. We're going to want your thoughts in that regard. And we've seen a lot of uh, pretty interesting divisions uh, that have have developed only on the issue of uh, whether or not folks agree uh, with people being in the streets. I don't think there's any division at all with regard to what happened to George Floyd and how, as a catalyst for change, I think pretty much everyone can agree that that is something that we don't want to identify with in terms of our, our where we should be. That's not something that represents our best side uh, as Americans. Uh, but is that about race? Now, again, this may be an obvious question or it may not. Is that about race or is it just one man uh, that ended up losing his life uh, at the hands of law enforcement? Or is it made about race? Is it, sp- is it specifically purposely made about race? And the, thing, the question that you have That's to a ask good point, yourself in the, in the environment that we're in today when you listen to the media, and it doesn't matter what side of the argument that you're on, you have to just simply ask the question, is this being used as a tool? Right. And, you know, there's always going to be a one-sided view of the facts. Uh, for those of you who don't know who don't know me, uh, I, I'm a civil rights lawyer. I've been practicing law now for 26 years, and I have a specialty. My specialty is police misconduct. I've probably been doing this longer or as long, you know, as very few most attorneys, I cannot say they've had one specialty for their whole career, uh, but I have, and I've learned a lot about it. And some of the things that I've learned uh, are very different than what I, I thought going into it. Number one, uh, folks don't really realize usually how many white men uh, get killed by police. And and it's just not something that you usually see uh, in the mainstream uh, media. But I, I know this because I've represented their families. And, and if you look right. at the numbers... Uh, it's definitely more white men than black men, but you know the percentage of the population the is higher. Of the population breakdown, yeah. But then it's in the like the past shows that we've done. So to take that uh, tack a little further is that, and one of the shows I think it was maybe a year ago that we did one big show on police misconduct. We've done a few. Yeah, we brought out some statistics. But here's uh-huh. another thing that has to be looked at: the number of interactions that police officers in the field yes. have with Good people point. of color. Good point. And the funny thing is, is that when you look at the numbers of of black men, young black men who are shot and killed by the police, by the percentages, like you said, there's no doubt it's grossly uh, way higher than it should be, right? There's no doubt about that. But when you look at the numbers of police interactions right. by percentages with people of color, right. all of the sudden, if you adjust for that, right. the percentage of people that are shot and killed by the police is equal. And so then that starts to say, okay, well, then what's our fundamental primary problem here? Maybe and we can just – That is such a great point. What are we focusing on? Yeah. And, and you can think about this in, in the context of the worst-case scenario, which is a situation in which someone loses his life. Uh, that's a situation I'm very familiar with. But what we don't th- usually talk about in the same breath is how many millions of encounters go up, go off Where no one's without any problems yeah, at right. all. In fact, they go the opposite. Like one of the things you and I were talking about this last week, and we, we said we were going to mention it at some point, so this is the perfect opportunity. We talk about all of the stuff that's all year in the media with the videos that capture the bad things police officers do. Right. 
But no one ever talks about all the videos on YouTube where the police officer is helping someone out. Exercising restraint. Yeah, every once in a while. There was a great story, and I met, I'm, I'm, I'm remiss in remembering the guy's name now, but there was a story, I think it was on the nightly news just two weeks ago, where basically there was a white guy who his, he was a police officer. His life was saved. Yes. By this black guy who saved this guy's life. He was in a car accident, drug him out. The the car almost blew up. Now, you see those two guys together. They're brothers. Right. And the race race has nothing to do with and, their and relationship. You, you kind of wonder why that story is not more front and center. But it's not. People don't want it to be because if you divide, you can conquer. And, well, it, and it's also, it seems to be that we cannot discount the role that the media is playing uh, in the current national consciousness. Because what we have seen, I've certainly uh, paid attention to it is that the concept of reporting the news uh, has been more the concept of reporting a point of view uh, with regard to the news. And folks seem like they turn on the news because they want some resonance with what their belief system is rather than just to learn uh, what happened that day or to get some information. You want want a spin on it. Right. You want a spin on it. It's either right or left. There's nothing in the middle. It can't possibly be in the middle. We want one answer, yes or no. But along the lines of, of the truth, uh, I, I was talking about this just earlier. I have embraced so many uh, white mothers who have lost their sons and so many black mothers who have lost their sons. The pain is no different. Uh, the actual horror uh, associated with what I believe is the worst pain that can be suffered on this earth, which is a parent losing a child. Uh, this is something that crosses racial lines. You just don't hear about so many white men, uh, because I think culturally, uh, the families that I've met with would prefer not to have that type of issue be uh, front and center. They are not. Now, again, every, every once in a while, you'll see a, a white mother uh, join and protest. But typically, it's not something that culturally is out there. But it does happen. And it is brutal. If you think that black men are the only men that are brutalized, uh, it's just not the truth. I could, I could, anyone that wanted to look at my caseload over the last 10 years, I, I could show you some of the most brutal killings, some of the most ruthless acts of torture that have been committed on, uh, on white men. And the idea that this is an American problem as opposed to a problem that associates with one race doesn't seem to be propagated for some reason. No, it isn't. But then on the other hand, two wrongs don't make a right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Negative, <laughs> this isn't actually true, but a, a negative and a negative still leaves you with a negative. So there are people who then say, well, okay, black lives matter. That shouldn't be an issue because white people get shot and killed by the police. Too. Right. Okay, well, but black people are being killed by the police. And shouldn't you say that's wrong? And, and the other issue with regard to black lives matter is that, you know, that organization has emerged as a lightning rod for uh, some of the divisions. Are you with them? Are you against them? I mean, I've heard a lot of things said about Black Lives Matter, the group, that just aren't true. Uh, issues with, that are equating them to a political movement uh, that is going to result in a, in a social uh, upheaval. Uh, well, here's the, here's the other it, thing. It's that, just not true. I've been that, to the meetings. I mean, I, I know those folks. Of course not. Yeah. And, and, and the idea to demonize anyone who disagrees with us is the right. easy way to cut them off. But if you go around, I mean, there's, we were talking about this before. Jim, I almost want you to say that again. Yeah. What, yeah. what my brother just said is if you demonize anyone that Absolutely doesn't cut them off, that yeah. is so, such an incredible point. It's an easy way to win the argument. Right. But with this thing that we were talking about that happened in eastern Kentucky, or the girl's name was uh, Hope Davis. Right? Tell us about it. Yeah, so here's this white girl from eastern Kentucky, Appalachian coal mining town. She organizes a Black Lives Matter uh, protest. 
and thought that she would basically be the only person showing up. And then in this tiny itty bitty. And folks, town, if you don't know who the yeah. Appalachian people uh, are I mean, in on, man, Kentucky, yeah. you're talking about some seriously well, poor, impoverished, yes, beat down poor, people, exactly. very underprivileged on, on so many different levels. And and so you've got people there that. They're, you know, they're, they were kind of mixed. I think there was a racial mix in the, in the protest. But the point is to say that even in rural places in the United States, there are people that are plugging into the idea of Black Lives Matter. And it's not just that they're saying white lives don't matter. It's just that they're plugging into this concept of, hey, maybe we need to take a look at social justice the way we do things. And, you know, we can't act like it is completely fair uh, with regard to uh, the law enforcement uh, interaction with people of color. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences myself being raised in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time... The numbers time, don't lie. It's the, not fair. The, the numbers do the not numbers lie. The numbers don't lie. I mean, the, the, and, the, and the, the craziest thing about it, and of course this is something that we've said in many past shows, is that it's unfortunate that there's so much data that's not tracked Right. And the Department of Justice does not require. Such a good point. And we, we did a whole show on this two years ago, I think, and, and we, we're not going to go back into it today. But just that idea that there's a lot of data missing. Right. And if we had that data, things would probably change faster. And, than and if you look at the origin of it, it the, the group Black Lives Matter started around 2015. It was the death of uh, Trayvon Martin. Uh, it was followed by right. a yeah, couple of right. other uh, incidents. Yeah. You had the I Can't Breathe situation, Eric Garner right. in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these issues just kind of came crashing down. And this group just kind of spontaneously developed uh, Black Lives Matter. Now, if you really know about what this is, I happen to because uh, a lot of the times when I'm representing a family uh, that has had a death of this kind, uh, you see Black Lives Matter involved in providing them uh, support. But this is not an organization that has like a central uh, head or or a corporate ID or it's like it's it's has no organization in the sense that. Uh, there's a, a corporate structure where there's a group of folks that, you know, are ident- identified with it per se. Uh, but it is something that now is really starting to divide folks. It's going to be hard for people that don't believe that there's any problem, quote unquote, like people that say there is no problem with race or there is no or people aren't aren't divided. This We believe they're divided. Right. You and I both agree on that. Right. Why they're divided. We mostly agree. have a little bit of difference in that. But when you talk to people that just simply believe that there is no problem. The problem with those people is they're going to look for other reasons why Amen. something like Black Lives Matter. Right. So they see Black Lives Matter happen and they say, well, there must be some reason because surely they can't just spontaneously all be thinking this at once. It has to be driven by some secret society. Or right. It's got to be some conspiracy. They can't just simply look at it on the surface and say, yeah, you know what? Basically, a bunch of videos went out on YouTube, which billions of people watch these days right. around the world. And videos very powerful. And they were moved. And they all kind of decided that they were going to do something together, sort of, kind of, and, without and, having any structure. Thank you so much, Jimmy. You also got to take into consideration that there are a lot of folks that have a certain – uh, leaning or agenda, political agenda, agenda with with regard to how we're going to characterize this. So, folks, we're going to want your calls. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. 1-800-222-KBC. Uh, 1-800-222-5222. Are, are we talking about something real or is it fake? Do we really have a growing racial problem in this country or is it just something that's being blown out of proportion? Dog you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a degree. Dog whistle. 1-800-222-5222. And it doesn't matter if we agree or disagree. We Dog just want to hear from you. Ha <laughs> ha! Stop blowing that thing, Jim. It's messing with my ears. Stop blowing that dog whistle. Dog whistle. 
Talk Radio 790 KABC. No, that was me, Joe. Was that you? Oh, yeah. uh, welcome back, folks. Uh, I'm Brian Dunn with James Oates coming to you live from Culver City. This is a nation divided starting at a new time, 3 o'clock. Uh, do not adjust your radio or your ears. Uh, we usually it's start true. at 4, but we're going to be going it's from reality. 3 to 5 today. Uh, the issue is, is that old strange specter of race. Uh, is this something that is a problem that is getting worse? Uh, we've heard a lot of discussion on it. There have been a lot of political issues uh, we've got some folks on the line, and if you'd like to join the discussion, folks, this is going to be a fun one. We want to tell you a few things, first of all. We, do, we don't have a stand one way or another about whether you're Republican or Democrat. We don't agree or disagree. We do want folks to think about uh, how their hearts feel, and that's really the only thing that, that concerns us. We are not uh, political. We are not anti-Trump or pro-Trump or, or whatever. We just kind of no, want to hear crazy. what the average folks— Yeah, we're both from Marsh. Yeah, right. So we've got some folks on the phone. Uh, let me see. I think we'd like to start with Ben uh, from Beverly Hills. Thanks for holding, brother. Hello, Ben. Uh, we appreciate you calling so much, man, and we are dying to know what you think. Talk to us. Well, my background is that I grew up in a very affluent white and Jewish neighborhood in West Los Angeles. I came back from college, and all my white friends had moved to Orange County in the Valley. From, my neighborhood from, uh, okay, had ahead, yeah. three or four affluent uh, African-American athletes and celebrities, it, it frightened the entire community. We're talking about 4,000 residents. What, now, what year was this, Ben? Where we, take us back again, Ben. With my what year was this? and Jewish high school mates after college. Okay, Ben, let me stop you real quick. Let me stop you for one second. Jim wanted right. to know what, what time frame are we talking about? Yeah, Is this the 80s? Okay, I graduated from college in 77. I came back to Los Angeles from out of town, and all my white friends had moved away. All my Jewish friends are gone. So uh, here we go through the 90s and towards the 2000 time frame. My, uh, my peers are some of the top the TV executives, writers, doctors, lawyers, judges. Some of them are renowned photographers. These are uh, uh, working professionals, not heirs, what you would find in Beverly Hills. These are the top earners from a neighborhood that has a higher medium income than Beverly Hills. Now, I talk to my high school mates today about my experiences, one of the only African-Americans they knew. And all of them are very glad to hear from me. They love my brother. But when I told them my brother was framed, uh, and he actually rescued his neighbor from a, a, a gang of crack dealers who were trying to kill him. My brother was prosecuted for kidnapping. The case was thrown out, but it destroyed him. Okay, let me I stop you very out. briefly, Ben. You're talking about so many things. Yeah, and, you know, we could probably have you on for the whole hour. But I one like of the, that. The I like the first thing talking line. about there, though. Yeah. The, 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 the bottom line is this. Yeah, give it to us, Ben. The reason there's such a division in America is because white Jewish Americans, Hispanic Americans of affluence— the ones with political power don't have African-American friends of any class. And if they do, they don't talk to them. When I talk to my Ph.D. Uh, biochem best friend from high school about the experiences of my family from the 60s on, he changes the subject. Mm. It's uncomfortable mm. okay. for him. It's okay. similar to what I hear 
conversations. Okay, Ben, listen, I gotta, I gotta put, I gotta stop you very briefly, Ben, and thank you so much. You're bringing up so many great points. One of the first things he talked about was what is colloquially known as white flight, right? uh, Which is the concept of residential. Ah, he left us. He didn't have to leave so quickly, but. Uh, the, the concept of, of neighborhoods that uh, change uh, after they become integrated. Uh, but the other point that he brought up that I really wanted to focus on is uh, this is an individual that has wrapped his arms around uh, some pretty significant um, issues concerning race and racial divisions. And the way that he talked about it was in the concept of friends. Friends. We've talked if about you this. have yeah. a friend. Fraternity. Right. Yeah, we did a show on this. Yeah. The idea that if you've got a friend, if you have fraternity with someone, right. let's just say that's of another race or of another religion or whatever, right. that's going to fundamentally alter your perspective on everyone else that right. happens to be that particular race. And, and what it will also do, that's a great point, is it will it will immunize you to the concepts uh, that are commonly associated with the vilification of another. Black people are lazy. Black people are criminals. Right. Black people are not stupid. They're, they're just a tax on society. They're just welfare. If you really understand firsthand uh, what that really uh, it means in terms of your friend, you know it's not true. You can have some situations where the race, the racial divide and the racism doesn't exist. Well, you know, it takes, incredibly important. It takes us to uh, – this is a statistic that I've got here that's pretty interesting. This is, uh, comes from a, a book that's called Social Trends in America. And so – it, if you look back at 1970, go back to like 1972, they were interviewing white people and asking them, how do you feel about a home seller's uh, right to discriminate? So right. back in 1972, over 65% of white Americans believed that it was okay to discriminate, that they should be allowed to do that. In 72. Right. You watch 72. You watch it drop 10% per decade to where we are now, where we're somewhere around the 20% range, which is still not good, right? That kind of sounds bad, but the point is, is it's changed. Now you got to ask yourself the question. What I think is neat about what this guy, this last caller just said is we got to unpack that. Did that change because you had to go through this phase of white flight, but eventually having people live next to each other, become neighbors, become friends, sort of half fraternity? And then at the same time, what he was saying, it kind of does lay up with the stat. Well, one of the things I like about it is it shows that we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, it's a hard fact that shows that, you know, we have made some progress since 72. Right. And that's important. Matthew from Camarillo, I want to thank you so much for holding. Uh, you've been so patient. Welcome to a nation divided, brother. Do we have a race problem in this world or do we just have a big whole lot of nothing? Talk to us, brother. Uh, I think it's kind of very, very complex. Uh, for me, I don't have a race problem. Uh you know, I tend to just treat people uh, how I want to be treated. You know, it's a basic, right. fundamental thing. Um, I think if people did that, they probably wouldn't have this problem. But the, the biggest thing that I see just with my own two eyes is the political climate in this country has been so in opposite directions wow. for, I'd say, the last wow. 20 years. Excellent point. And we've progressively gotten worse uh, as far as ideas go, uh, meeting in the middle. And That's been proven, by the way. Keep going. Keep going. Yes. Uh, sorry. It's just been snowballing so much and beginning so much momentum in opposite directions that everything has been, has been uh, I guess, politicized. Uh, I do believe that there is a racial issue with specific people in this country. I don't think the masses are racist. I don't, I don't believe that's true at all. I think we've learned our history and we've learned from our mistakes and we've gone in a direction where uh, most people, at least in, in, the, in the circle that I'm in, 
don't look at people as a different color or whatever you want to call it and say that they're better or worse or no, we're all equal. I mean, those are the fundamentals of this country. That's a great uh, point. And when you start talking about that, the very first words that originated this nation, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I want to throw this out there for you, Matthew. I don't think that people uh, identify with racism because it's such a horrible thing to be associated with. And I, I don't think that people really consciously accept that. But I've lived in the black world. I've lived in the white world. I've lived, you know, I, I think that everyone to a certain extent is biased, is racist. But that's just who we are and that's how we've been brought up. I don't think that uh, the concept of that means that we are inherently polarized. But I think that every child that is raised is going to be raised with certain biases. And uh, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't make you evil. It does not mean that you're someone that believes in... Uh, choose, the, the values of the clan. The bias. It's what you choose to do with the bias yeah. that changes it, right? And, That's such and, a great... And, the, and again, the show that we did, got to push back a little bit what you just hit there, is that idea of racism. What does it really mean? What's it mean well, to be yeah. racist, right? People throw that term around a lot these days, but it should probably be reserved for something that we know the definition is. But I also think that it's not necessarily equated with evil if it is unconscious, I mean, folks need to be aware sometimes of of some issues, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. But it's, in, but it's equated with inaccuracy. So the idea That's that there point. is racism says that people believe that there is some fundamental genetic difference between individuals because of the color of their skin or whatnot. And all of that's totally, completely blown out by all kinds of DNA research now. So. Excellent point. Uh, let me ask you this, Matthew. Uh, we're, we've been talking about some issues that have affected us uh, kind of torn the nation up on along racial lines. Like, for example, let's talk about, uh, oh, anything. So the, the football players that are kneeling. And, you know, it's kind of just divided the country just straight down the board in terms of what the GOP thinks versus what, you know, the, the Democrats think. Do, do you think that that is about race or do you think that it's more about the flag and other things? What do you think, Matthew? Well, I, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I think it's, completely disrespectful um you don't have to uh, apologize for feeling that a whole lot of people feel that and we have a program here where we want to welcome that there's no apology necessary brother you shouldn't be (laughs) embarrassed by that and we're not going to beat you up we're not going to let someone beat you up just because you say it absolutely and and look i think we are lacking national pride and and that is not a way to gain it if there are systemic issues that that people go through and they feel in their heart. I I think that um, to generalize that this nation is completely wrong from its fundamentals and and foundation, I think it's false. And to to kneel for the flag that's represented so much good in the world Mm -hmm. uh, is completely disrespectful. Now, let me ask you this, Matthew. Um, Do you believe that there should be a law now? Now, do you believe that there should be a law that says that people can't do that? In other words, the no, First I Amendment, don't. yeah. The right. First Amendment says free I, expression. I, Go ahead. Finish your thought, Matthew. I'm sorry, I, brother. I, I do, no, I, I do not believe there should be a law because, like you said, the First Amendment. But in, in regards to a sporting event, um, we are gathering there you, typically as fans. We go there to watch our team triumphs in victory, right? Or lose uh, if you're yeah, a Raider fan like myself. Yeah, if you're a Raider fan, we're just going to watch them lose again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah, so so basically.
basically we're there for a common reason, to enjoy a game. And we are brought there by the great uh, economic uh, features of our country. We're brought there by the innovation of our country. We're brought there by, by a common theme of nationalism. And I, I think the national anthem is important. Maybe it's because that's how it's been my whole life. And change is tough for me, but I, I look at it like a time where we can actually, even if we hate the other team's guts, we can unify as one and come together in a moment of respect. Um, I, I think it takes a lot of uh, humility to be able to do that. Amen. Even if things aren't perfect right. in this world See, or in our country, Matthew's got heart, things are right? really good. He's got heart. I completely agree with yeah. you, Matthew. And you, you you, you're saying everything right. You're, you're right. hitting all, you know, I believe most Americans do things that way. They do. And I wonder sometimes, are we having a situation where some of the fringe elements, I don't want to say which way or this way, but are they taking the stage and making it look like we're even more divided than we really are? Thank you so much for calling, Matthew. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to switch over to uh, Daniel uh, from San Pedro. You've been holding for a while. Thank you so much. And, folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, we're going to get to everybody. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Uh, 1-800-222-5222. We're coming at you at a different time. This is a nation divided. Uh, Brian Dunn with James Oates. We talk about some sensitive issues sometimes, some hard issues sometimes. But what, one of the things that we both believe in our core is that the problem, uh, if we do have a problem, it's more lack of respect for one another uh, than anything else. It's more uh, not being willing uh, to hear each other out. And that, that's one of the things that we absolutely are going to do here, regardless of whether we agree or or disagree. And, and we, want this to, we want you to understand you don't have to be a social scientist or have a degree or anything we just want to hear what you think in your heart. Daniel from San Pedro, tell us how we're going to solve this situation. What is going on, brother? Oh, man, I wish I had a solution for you. But, um, you know, I think it's getting better. You know, you, you look back 60 years ago and things were not great with uh, race relations. But Absolutely. In my opinion, it's getting better and better. And when you really think about it, a wow. lot of people that are in their 80s and 90s, you know, they even in their 60s and 70s, they lived through segregation and they've right. Absolutely. Become, I don't want to say used to it, but, you know, they lived it, whereas people that are younger, they didn't live it. So it seems very uh, uh, crazy to think that that even happened. But I think as the decades move on, it's going to keep getting better and mm. better. Perfect. Mm. But one thing that I was hoping you could help me understand is in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, you were saying that there's really no organization head or or yeah they're like grateful dead fans they just kind of erupt and from city to city and someone uh, emerges as but it's no real it's not a, the the organization does not have a defined structure go ahead daniel yeah and that's what i really don't understand because there's a ton of money being uh donated to this movement uh i just read the other day that a bank of america is donating one billion dollars to the black lives matter and i'm just curious i'm like who is cashing these checks? Who's distributing this billion dollars to, and, and who is it being distributed to? Wow. It just doesn't make sense. How, when I try to follow the money, you know, I see who's given the money, but I don't know who's cashing the checks. Well, he's bringing up a great, well, yeah, I mean, a great point, the, Brian. The Black Lives Matter groups that I've been involved with don't have enough money for pizza at the meetings. They're, they are so broke, usually. That uh, that you, the the people that are there have to contribute. Yeah, out no, of their no, no, pocket. no. He's making a he's making a good point here, Brian, because there was a, an article in, in Marketplace just a, like a week or two ago, I think it was Daniel, where they were saying that that evidently some 
organization that called itself a Black Lives Matter uh, charitable organization, it received millions of dollars already. Wow. And it totally wasn't even Black Lives Matter. Like it was just a total fraud on the whole movement of Black Lives Matter. So it, it, it's a valid you, question. That is a hell of a question. And uh, Daniel. Uh, from the Bank of America, I'm really curious because $1 billion, that, I mean, that's army money. You could, you could start a war with a billion dollars. That's an incredible that? amount of money. <laughs> I mean, that's just really something strong. And, and, you know, frankly, all I can tell you is this, Daniel, is that I know that it kind of erupted spontaneously. And and again, I'm I'm an attorney. I do police misconduct. I represent mostly most of my cases for the last 26 years have been representing the families of all races uh, that have lost husbands, brothers, sons uh, that were unarmed that ended up getting uh, shot and killed by the police. Uh, We do civil cases. But when the family uh, deals with this type of situation, uh, a homicide is jarring in any family because you hear about it from a phone call. The, the group Black Lives Matter, that at least as far as I've known, what they do is they descend on the house of that person and they do everything to give them support, uh, whether it be moral support. Uh, it's usually not financial because I've never known them to have any money. But, of course, that may be changing now. Uh, but they will definitely do what they can Uh, to wrap their arms around literally the people that are in the house. Because one of the unique things about a family that loses a loved one at the hands of law enforcement is they know that the police are not going to be looking for the person or prosecuting Mm -hmm. the person that did it. So that's kind of an issue. All right, so it looks like they're telling me to take a break. We're going to start with you. Don't go anywhere, Daniel. And for anyone who would like to join the discussion, we're going to keep this thing going for a while. You can reach us at 1-800-222-KBC, 1-800-222-5222. And, you know, it's more about issues of race, racism. Do we have a problem or is it all overblown? We're with you to five today. Your friends. Unfortunately. Ryan Dunn and James Oates. Stay with us, folks. Skinner, man. Yep. Got a lot of and, and you know, when you think about Leonard Skinner, and this is such an interesting thing because I went to a concert and the Confederate flag was everywhere. Yes. This and, is a great point. Yes, you know, bring it up. The Confederate bring flag it. is yeah. something that they just had, and that was one of their symbols. It when, was. Was the flag. And, right. and, you know, these guys did not uh, have anything to do. With the Klan. They didn't have anything to do with any overt aspects of racism. They were just Southern boys, and it was this idea of sort of like, I think they said rebellion. It was just like a rebellion. But nevertheless, they grew up. Or, yeah, keep going. Yeah, right. Teenage, they so grew up. Yeah, they, it was five years ago. I think it was five years ago that Leonard Skinner announced that they were going to take away from their, their concerts the Confederate flag. Right. And they felt, they, just because they thought to themselves, okay, they, they said that. They, they felt like if people are offended by that, if they're hurt by that, it's something we don't need. And then they talked about how it kind of had been subverted and it had taken on this new meaning. So you got to – I mean you got to get with the times, right? I mean you have to go with what's going on now. And if that's what that means now, then you got to accept it. Well, but one of the interesting things is that the way that they were raised, they did not associate the flag with anything but cultural significance. They were, it was home to them. It was their group of people. Right. And they didn't really put it together that, okay, 
This was a group of individuals fighting uh, against the nation for the institution of slavery. All of those things weren't percolating in their no, mind. No, of course not. And then, that, of course, and then that's the argument that people make about the Confederate flag that are sort of supporters of it staying out. They make the argument that, look, we're not racist, we weren't racist, and you guys are just putting this on. The, that may be true. That might be true. But Leonard Skinner's point was it's that times have changed. Right. This is how people feel about it. If they're hurt by it, we can take it away. It's not a big deal doesn't hurt us in any way. It doesn't take anything away from us, and it helps them. And you also have to talk about, to be all to be fair to the subject, there are a lot of incredibly racist organizations that right. do love that flag do and do flag. identify with that yeah, flag. Right. So we're going to get to some callers, folks, if you'd like to join the discussion. Uh, we're coming at you at a different time. This is Brian Dunn and James Oates. We are a nation divided. Uh, we are coming to you uh, on the, under the moniker of KBC. Uh, the title of the show is A Nation Divided. We talk about some uncomfortable subjects sometimes in hopes that we will not be so divided. Is the divided. flag a dog whistle? Is that a, would we call that a dog whistle? I don't know. Is it a dog no, whistle? No, that's no whistle not at all. That's a, that's a blaring sound. Maybe the discussion, though. Actually, the discussion could be a dog whistle. That is true. Right. Uh, but it's an, yet another thing. Uh, so we're going to go to, uh, let's see, let's go to Conrad from Reseda. I want to thank you for holding, Conrad. Uh, you've been so wonderful. Uh, folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, we're going to get to everybody. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222, 1-800-222-KBC. Is there a growing racial divide in our nation, or is this just something that is not real? Conrad, talk to us. Okay, well, let me start by saying I don't hate Trump, but I think he's a moron. But I, I, I don't like Biden either. I think he's too old to be president. So I'm in the middle how, of right How old is Joe Biden? Oh, I think he's 182, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is he 78 now? He's 100. He's I don't even know. Anyway, Conrad, keep going, brother. Okay, so as far as the kneeling for the flag, like Matthew said, I, I don't agree with that. I think that that's the only way Colin Kaepernick could get his message heard by kneeling at that particular moment. And I don't agree with him kneeling, but that's his method to get the message heard. Right. And all it could have been stopped at that point right there. It could have been ended. All Trump had to do was say, you know what, let, let me listen to what he has to say, and let's try to work on getting this issue solved. Right. And, That's interesting, though. Con- saying, Conrad, do you actually think that, that he was looking to hear something from Trump in particular or specifically? you think that's what well, that was well, about? No, not necessarily, but Trump's the leader. So, And Trump has a whole bunch of followers that possibly could be racist. Okay. So if he just said, hey, listen, we're going to try to work this out like Starbucks did when they closed down all the Starbucks for a right. couple hours to retrain. If he said, let's try to retrain the police, get them some counseling, get them some uh, some different procedures to see if we can fix the problem. But instead, he says, get those sons of bees out of here. And then it just boiled over. Like, is that a leader? A leader doesn't tell people that kind of thing. He tries to unite them and say, let's fix the problem. Well, there's a, there are a lot of voices out there uh, that say that what he's trying to do really is, is connect with a certain base. But you're bringing up such an important point, Conrad, because he's talking about the conceptualization of leadership and what really is a leader. And, you know, would you rather be a leader or would you rather be someone who wins an election? And if he's being told by uh, pollsters or whoever, whomever, that he's got a strong base out there... And they don't want to hear. Uh, turn down your radio, please. They, they, that. That, no problem. That you don't want it. That they don't want to hear uh, about anything other than uh, this one side. 
and that and he's playing to that. That could be an issue. But but just one more point is that Conrad's talking about the idea of a leadership, someone in a leadership position, actually trying to get us to tear down the walls that have separated us, and that doesn't always equate with political expediency. What do you got, Joe? Conrad's pivoting right into it. That elephant in the room is this: because of Trump or not? And that's right. one of the questions that has to be asked at some point or another because he is the president now. And just like Conrad said, here's here's a guy calling in off the street and he's talking about it. Right. So you, you have to ask the question, where is that going? Such where a great is it coming point. from this idea, this division, this sort of racial line slash sort of idea about what America should be division thing? Now, uh, Conrad, I wanted to ask your opinion on one thing. Uh, One of the issues that the president has taken fire on, uh, by taking fire, really expressed a lot of passion on recently uh, has been the Confederate monuments. Uh, There was some federal uh, laws that he referenced that are going to be enforced with regard to preserving these, even the Confederate flag. I mean, we've even seen NASCAR uh, in, in recent times Say that we're going to ban this flag from from rallies, similar to yeah, uh, some of the things we, yeah. we were talking about with Skinner. Uh, this is just not who we want to represent. Republi- even Republicans across the board in all different states talking about taking statues down, et cetera, et cetera. And Conrad okay. is, has brought up a point. Why, why would uh, the president say, I am on this side, rather than say we have a problem and maybe we should talk about it? What do you think about all of these things, Conrad? I'm 52 years old. I'm Hispanic. And I used to love Dukes of Hazard. okay? Yeah, they me too. I grew up on that show. I'm 51. So yeah, we're they go- have the Confederate flag on the car. Hey, Honestly, Conrad. Conrad, hold yeah. on for a minute for us. we got to take a break. Yeah, we're, but we're going to start with you after the break. Right back to Conrad, you. we're going straight to you after the break. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Yeah. Yeah. The R word. Some good music, though, whether you like it or not, baby. Gotta love it. This show is furnished by The Cochran Firm. 